You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Chen. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Are you positive? People are asking this question a lot lately. And personally, just in the conversations that I've had with people over the past week, I would say I've asked this question to people uh, 15 to 20 times. Uh, So I'm going to ask it again. I'm going to ask it to everybody who is listening this morning. Are you positive? Now, I'm not asking it in the way that many people might think that I am asking it. Uh, I'm asking this question in a different way. And in fact... It is my wish that everybody would be able to say yes. I am positive about this question that I am asking. When I ask, are you positive, I mean it as in, are you sure? Do you know? There are three things that I'm going to bring out in my message this morning. Three things that I believe every person can and should know. I've spoken to many people throughout my lifetime, and uh, when I ask them about these three things, I would say the majority of the time, maybe not the vast majority of the time, but I would say the majority of the time when I ask people these, these three things, usually they say, I, I just don't know if you can know that. I, I don't know if it's possible to be positive about those things. Now, I will tell you this, there are going to be some things in this life that we just will never be able to know. But in these areas, I hope all of us can say, I am positive. I'm positive about those things. So are you there in the Bible where where I told us to turn? We're going to be in 1 John 5 first, and then we're going to go to Romans chapter 12, and then we're going to go at the very end to Psalm 139. Uh, So I am hoping we are there by then. If not, just go ahead and listen in. And we're going to start in 1 John 5 and in verse 12. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. There's no gray area in that verse. It is either you have the Son and you have life, or you don't have the Son and you do not have life. It It is clear as can be, black and white, as far as darkness from dawn. Look in verse 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know, that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. So my first question, are you positive that you are going to heaven? I cannot believe, I can't believe that Of the largest religions in the world, many of them teach that you cannot know that you are going to heaven when you die. I can't believe that. When I speak to people about their their eternity, when I speak to people about their soul, the vast majority, this one I will say, the vast majority of people say, I don't don't know. I don't know where I'm going to go. I don't know where I'm going to spend eternity. I hope, I hope I'll go to heaven. So I want to make it as clear as I can this morning. I want everybody to listen to me. And I am talking to people, maybe this is the first time you have ever joined us on live stream. I'm talking to my church members as well. Everybody, people who have been in church for their entire life, people who are just now starting to get into church. There is no greater treasure in this world 
than your soul. How Jesus put it was, what, what would it profit a man if he were to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Jesus said, for what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? So take all of the diamonds and the rubies and the oil and the gold and the platinum and the real estate and the accessories in this world and combine them all together and they will not compare to the, to the value that Jesus put on you. And yet, people take that eternal soul, that priceless treasure, and they gamble with it. And they say, well, I, I guess I'll just find out someday. I, I guess I'll find out when I'm dead if I'm going to heaven or hell or not. It's too late by then. I remember my precious grandma when she was on her, her deathbed, and I told you on Wednesday how my mother had led her to the Lord on her deathbed. And my grandma was under this impression that she was going to get to heaven, or I'm sorry, that she was going to die and maybe see the Lord and be able to figure it out then. That's not the way it works. By the time you have reached your eternity, that is where you are going to spend eternity. And it is either going to be in heaven or it is going to be in a place called hell. And I want you to think about this this morning. God found you so valuable that when he made you, he made you to live forever. He made us to spend eternity with him. Just read the first few chapters of the Bible before sin came into this world. Sin did come into this world and it brought death. And sin is what brought separation from God into this world. But then even though we've all been tainted with sin, even though we've all um, sinned after the similitude of Adam, the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So even though all of us have been tainted by that and damaged by sin, do you realize that God still looks down on you and God still looks down on me and sees that same eternal soul of great value? Now, what am I, what am I saying? What am I trying to build up to? I'm trying to build up to this. If your soul is truly that valuable, and if God is the one that placed that value upon your soul, he's not going to toy with that. He is not going to take your eternal soul and dangle it between two eternities. He's not going to have you spend your entire life, I don't know, I hope so, maybe, might be. It is going to be like we just read in 1 John 5 verse 12. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. It is going to be so clear to you, we are either saved or we are lost. And these things have I written unto you that ye may know that ye have eternal life. You should know for sure. You can know for sure. You should be positive. When you read God's word and you put your faith and trust in him, you should be positive that you are going to heaven when you die. So many times, though, the devil comes on our shoulder and he tells us, oh, well, you are damaged and you are a sinner and you don't deserve it. No, we don't. That's why it's called grace. That's why it's called the gift of God. But it, it reminds me, sometimes I, I went uh, to like a thrift store uh, with my mom or maybe I would go to a garage sale and she would find something that to me looked like nothing. Uh, maybe it was a vase, maybe it was a picture, or, or, I, I don't know, maybe it was some, some silverware or something. And my mom would just see it and she had to have it. Or I, I remember another time, um, I, I was watching, I was really bored that day and I was watching uh, Antique Roadshow. 
You ever watch Antique Roadshow? Uh, is that still a thing? Is that still going on? Okay. I was watching the Antique Roadshow, and um, from what I understand, uh, one of the, I think the moderators is what it's called, one of the moderators was standing there, and he has this painting in front of him, and there's the, the owner of the painting, and the moderator was basically saying he, he found the owner of that painting just kind of walking through that little uh, road show, what, whatever, the, the, I have no idea, the building where they were, and he was just kind of swinging the painting back and forth. And it was dirty, and it had kind of a broken frame on it. And the moderator came over and, and grabbed it and held it and said, do you understand what you have here? And that painting was, was worth, I, I think, like hundreds of thousands of dollars. And that owner had no idea. He just, well, I went up in the attic, and it was kind of dirty and old, so I thought I would bring it. But I didn't know who to talk to. So, so many times the devil looks at, looks at us and looks at our heart, and looks at our life, and even tries to look at our soul and says, oh, look at it, it's all dirty, it's all damaged, it's all disgusting. Nobody is going to find any value in you, but then God comes along, and Jesus comes along, and even though we were bound in the chains of sin, we are bound, even though we uh, were damaged by his power, even though we were dirtied by its wickedness, the Bible says God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And Jesus came along and he promises, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. So woe be unto every preacher and every church and every teacher, every religion, every Christian that does not share the good news of the gospel that Jesus died, he was buried, and yet he rose again in power so that we can know, we can know for sure that we're going to heaven when we die. If you do not know for sure, I challenge you to think about this. If God is loving enough to come down to earth, if he is holy enough to live a sinless life, caring enough to heal the sick and make the lame walk and cause the blind to see, if he is willing enough to die on a rugged cross, but before he even got there, the, the beatings and the mockings and the scourging that he took, if he is willing enough to do that, if he is powerful enough to lay down his life, but then take it up again, if he is just enough to say, I will come again, and I will judge this world, and if he is perfect enough to keep every single promise that he has ever made, then could you not believe him when he said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It cannot be clearer than that. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you remember when he looked at that thief on the cross and he said, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Do you think that thief on the cross had any doubt? Do you think he had any worries? Do you think that he had any fears of where he was going to spend eternity? Or do you think he was positive? I think he was positive what Jesus had said to him. And does Jesus not say the same thing to you through his word? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And the reason that I am being so dogmatic about this is because the scriptures are dogmatic about it. But also, I am finding, just as I'm talking to other pastors, as I'm pastoring myself, one of the most crippling things that Christians are dealing with today, or that, that let me put it this way, that church members are dealing with today, 
is doubting their salvation. They don't know for sure that they're going to heaven when they die. Some days they do, but then some days they don't. And, and again, it's like, who, who do you think is dangling your soul between two eternities here? God is not the author of confusion. God is the author of peace. You can know for sure that you are going to heaven. You can be positive. You can have that assurance today. And it's as simple as faith. Because the Bible says, For whosoever shall call, believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. I've talked to people before, and they say, Pastor, there was a day, I do remember a time where I put my faith and trust in him, but now I just, I just don't know. I don't know for sure. And I say, well, you go back to that day. Did you truly believe him? Did you put your faith and trust in him? And they said, yes, yes, I, I, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he died to save my sin. I know that I can't get to heaven on my own. I, I, I believe that. So we believe what we did, but we don't believe what God said? No, that's not faith at all. We have to have faith in what Jesus said. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Don't overcomplicate it. You can know for sure by putting your faith and trust in him. Get it settled today. Are you positive that Jesus is your savior? If you are, what happens next? What happens after you know for sure, after the Holy Spirit comes into your heart and, and he's the comforter and the spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God? What happens after that? Well, look with me then in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Do you know for sure that you're saved? It's not of works of righteousness which we have done, but by his mercy. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Just put your faith and trust in him, and you can know for sure, because Jesus promises, he promises in his word that he would save you. What about next? Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Number two, are you positive that you are in God's will? So first, are you positive you're saved? Are you positive that Jesus is your Savior, that you're going to heaven when you die? And number two, are you positive that you are in God's will? I can say just as surely as Jesus died for you, he has a plan for you. You could live a very good life by simply following this motto, find God's will and do it. A preacher that I love listening to, Pastor Bobby Robertson, he often said this. He said, God's will is not always easy. God's will is not always popular, but God's will is always possible. Are you positive that you are in God's will? I couldn't help during my study but thinking of Jeremiah. And when God told Jeremiah, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. And then he said, Jeremiah, I have put my words 
in thy mouth. Preach, Jeremiah. That's what I made you to do. I want you to preach the gospel to the nations. I want you to, uh, to, to uh, pluck down and, and grow and, and all these different things that he says in Jeremiah chapter 1. He says, that is my will for you. I want you to preach. And so Jeremiah preached. But it didn't go exactly like he thought it would. Because for years he preached and nobody would listen. For years he warned and nobody would repent. And there came a time in Jeremiah's ministry where he, he looks to God in Jeremiah chapter 20 and he says, Lord, thou hast deceived me. He said, you told me I was to be a prophet. You told me I was to preach. But I am in derision daily. Everyone mocketh me. That's what Jeremiah said. And he goes on to say, I will not make mention of him nor speak anymore in his name. What is Jeremiah saying? He's saying, I'm done with God's will. I'm not doing it anymore. I don't know how long it lasted. But very soon after, he said this, but his word was in mine heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones and I was weary with forbearing and I could not stay. I couldn't keep quiet. I had to preach. Jeremiah knew what God's will was for his life, and he did it. And he didn't realize it then. But God was using him to write one of the greatest books in the Bible that has led countless people and has influenced countless people for Christ. And just like Jeremiah had a plan, uh, that God had a plan for Jeremiah, and just like Jeremiah knew what that plan was, God has a plan for you, and you could know what that plan is. Now, we may not always understand it. We may not always uh, see everything that the Lord sees. Uh, we're not going to see everything that the Lord sees. There are going to be heartaches along the way, and it is going to require you to let go of your will to follow God's will. But nothing brings satisfaction to the soul. Nothing brings joy to the heart like when you find God's will for your life, and you do it. So I encourage you, find God's will and do it, and do it with all of your might. Now, perhaps you would say, Pastor, I'm young. I'm just a teenager. Or I'm a child. Or I'm a new Christian. Or I have great baggage. Or I carry all these scars of sin. Does God have a plan for me also? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. He has a specific plan for you. He has a specific place for you to be. He has a specific spouse for you to marry. He has a specific church for you to be a member in. He has a specific career for you to follow. He has a specific path for you to walk on every single day. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Now you may honestly say, I don't know what that specific will is for my life. I don't know who the Lord would have me marry specifically. I don't know what he would have me do specifically. I have been there before. So what should we do when we don't know exactly, when we don't know the specifics of the what or the where or the when of God's will? We do what this verse says here. We present our bodies a living sacrifice. You know what that's saying? Lord, here is my life. Take it and do what you want with it. I am giving it to you no matter what it may be. We present our bodies a living sacrifice, 
holy. You know what that word holy means? It means dedicated. It means consecrated to God. So, Lord, not only am I giving you my life, I am only giving it to you. It's like when you get married and you say, I do to your wife, or you say, I do to your husband, you are saying, I don't to everybody else. When you put your body as a living sacrifice to God, you are saying, God is the one who tells me what to do, when to do it, where to go, and why I am doing it, and nobody else does. We cannot serve God while serving self. We cannot serve God while serving somebody else. The Bible says, no man can serve two masters. It's impossible. Holy, but then the Bible says acceptable unto God. What does that mean? Well, sacrifices were to be without spot. They were to be without blemish. They were to be the best of the best. We are to give God the very best of our lives. Too many people have this idea that they're going to serve sin. They're going to serve the world. They're going to serve themselves. They're going to go sow their wild oats, if you would. And then someday they're going to come back and they're going to give God the leftovers. God does not deserve leftovers. He deserves our very best. Read Malachi and what those people were doing with their sacrifices and their offerings and how God felt about it. He deserves the strength of our youth. He deserves the very first hours of our day. He deserves the first fruits of all of our increase. Lord, whatever you want from me, I am yours. That's what this verse is talking about. Now, maybe you're watching and saying, that sounds like a lot to ask. No, sir. No, ma'am. No, teenager. It isn't. That is not a lot to ask. In fact, the Bible says it is your reasonable service. But many people say, well, it's my life. It's my body. We heard that a lot. It's my decision. I should be able to do what I want to do with my life. Now, the, that's exactly what the world says. But the Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, because this world and your own fleshly nature is going to tell you, serve yourself. Do what pleases you. If you like it, do it. Have it your way. But the Bible says, ye are not your own. Ye have been bought with the price. Serve the Lord. Do what pleases him. Why do we do that? That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see what these verses are saying? When you show God in your life, Lord, I am willing to do whatever. I am willing to be whoever and go wherever and let it happen whenever you want it to. Lord, I am yours and yours alone. You lead and I will follow. That is when God starts speaking to people. That is when God starts using people. You know, many times God will not let us know exactly what he wants us to do until we have shown him that we are willing to do anything. Now, how do we do that? How do we show God we're willing to do anything he would have us to do? Well, it's very simple. Do everything we know we're supposed to be doing and do it right now. The Bible says, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Do not expect God to show us his specific will for our life when we're not even doing his general will for everybody. Let me explain that. God has a specific will for everybody. For me, at the moment, it is to be right here preaching. 
uh, to widen the gaze. It is to be the pastor of Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas. Uh, that is God's specific will for me to widen it even more. It was to marry Tracy Lynn Renfro, and it was to um, have children, and it was all those different things, and it was to live in the house that he gave to us. That is God's specific will for my life. For you, God is going to have a specific will for you. We've had some gentlemen recently that came out and said, it, God has made it clear. It is, it is his specific will for my life to preach his word. It is his specific will for my life to be a youth pastor or to be a pastor someday. Whatever it may be, they are coming and saying, that is God's specific will for me. But in every single one of those situations where a man said, the Lord has been speaking to me about his specific will for my life, those gentlemen were also faithful and obedient in God's general will for everybody. No, it is not for everybody to be a pastor. It is not God's specific will for everybody to be a missionary or an evangelist. But it is God's general will for everybody. It is God's will for everybody to read their Bible and to get baptized after they are saved, to follow the Lord and believer's baptism. It is God's will to be a member of a local church. It is God's will to go soul winning, to let your light shine before men. Isn't that God's will for everybody? For every Christian? Isn't that God's will for them? Isn't it God's will for us to be faithful in church, to, to tithe, to be separate from the world, to be obedient to his word? And even though you may not know exactly what or when or where the Lord is going to lead, when you are just simply doing everything that you know to do right now, God's general will, even in that way you can say, I am positive. I'm exactly where God wants me to be. Because I know if he speaks to me, and when he speaks to me, I will listen, and I will follow. I've made that promise to him. I have presented my body a living sacrifice. Have you done that? Have you done that? Do you know you're saved? Do you know you're saved? Does the Holy Spirit give you that comfort that you are going to heaven? Do you know for sure that you are in God's will, that you are exactly where he wants you to be? But then there's one more thing. You know, it's very possible to know we're going to heaven and to know we're in God's will and yet still be wrong with God. I think of Jonah. Jonah felt the devastating effect of being out of God's will when he tried to run to Tarshish, but then he ends up obeying. And think about the story. He traveled to Nineveh, just as God wanted him to do. He preached to Nineveh, just as God wanted him to. He saw Nineveh repent, just as God wanted him to. But the entire time, he didn't have the right attitude. And in fact, he was even angry at God for some of it. Jonah is the perfect example of a saved man in the center of God's will, and yet he was not right with God. Look at his effort. His effort was minimal. He gets into, he gets into Nineveh and he preaches a five-word sermon in Hebrew. His spirit was rotten. He doesn't rejoice when the people repent. His heart was cold. He goes up on a cliff and that's overlooking Nineveh and he's wanting God to lay waste and bring destruction upon them. His priorities are broken. He cares more for a gourd than he does the souls of man. 
So here's my last question. Are you positive you're right with God? Now, we'll never be without sin. We will often fail. We'll never be the Christian we're supposed to be as long as we have this flesh. But we can be right with God. Look with me in Psalm chapter 139. Oh, church, I wish you were here. I, I feel like I could be so much clearer if you were here. I feel like I've, I haven't been as clear as I should be. But look in Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. I'm going to trust that the Lord is going to use the message. The Bible says in verse 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. I love what the song says, Nothing between my soul and the Savior, so that his blessed face may be seen. Nothing preventing the least of his favor. Keep the way clear. Let nothing between. Could we honestly say, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Or would we be terrified at what God would find? And church, let's, let's just get real this morning. Let's set aside the Lord searching our heart. Let's set aside the Lord knowing our thoughts. Would we even let God search and know our phones? Our text messages? Our social media feeds? Our movie drawers? Our pantries and cupboards? Our radio stations? Would we even let the Lord know that? Our, our movies and our shows? Our entertainment? And that's all the areas that anybody could search. That's not even talking about the secret chambers of our heart. That's not even talking about the hidden chasms of our thoughts. So I'm asking, does the Lord have unlimited access to your heart and to your mind? Or are there some rooms that we think we can keep locked away? And I say think we can keep because the Bible says, He that covereth his sin shall not prosper. We will never be able to hide something from the Lord in our heart or in our mind. He has the keys to it all, and he sees it all. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. When's the last time we've said, Lord, see if there be any wicked way in me? And what does that mean? Because we are sinners. Well, well, I want, I want you to imagine two employees here, and let's say you were a manager, or you have these two employees under you. And both of them are doing wrong as far as their work is concerned. Both of them have a lot to learn. Both of them are causing damage to the company. But one of them keeps saying, teach me how to do it right. I know that I'm doing it wrong, but teach me. Show me what I'm doing wrong and teach me how to do it right. Now the other one is just going to keep on doing what he wants. Which one of those is going to have a better relationship with the boss? You see what I'm saying? So to come and say, Lord, tell me. Tell me, show me what I'm doing wrong. Show me what I'm doing against your word. I want to grow closer to you. And he will come and he's going to say, that is a wicked way. He'll point out the wicked ways. He'll say, that is a wicked way to treat your spouse. That's a wicked way to, treat, uh, to raise your kids. That's a wicked way to entertain your mind. That's a wicked way to handle your problems. 
that's a wicked way to even sometimes to do the right thing, maybe, maybe to give to others, but we're only doing it to bring glory to ourselves. Who would say that's a wicked way to do that? Hey, that's a wicked way to spend your free time. That's a wicked way to spend your money. That's a wicked way to approach your business. That's a wicked way to pray. The Bible says sometimes we could pray only to consume it upon our own lusts. The Bible says, hey, there are sometimes that's a wicked way to serve where we're only doing it to bring glory to ourselves and not glory to God. And the, Bible, and the Bible says the Lord will point that all out to us if we ask him to. Lord, search me, know my heart, try me, know my thoughts, see if there be any wicked way in me. And then when he points it out, what do we say? Lord, lead me in the way everlasting. Show me how to do this the right way. I'm done, but I'll ask you again. Do you know for sure, are you positive that you're going to heaven I know I'm speaking to many who might be doubting their salvation. Can you go back to a time and a place where you remember putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Did you mean what you said from your heart? Surely God meant what he said when he said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you were to stand before Jesus one day and he were to say, why should I let you into heaven? We would honestly have to look back and say, Lord, I don't deserve it. I'm a sinner. But you promised in your word, if we put your faith and trust in you, that you would save us. And Lord, I am trusting you as my Savior. Could you say that this morning? If not, you need to put your faith and trust in him today. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.